Hey guys, it's Richie here. Just wanted to thank you guys for all the support so far. Just want to give you a heads up for this week's episode. Erica's mic was having some technical issues, so you'll hear some static throughout the episode when she's speaking. So just want to apologize in advance. Hope you guys like this week's episode. We are very happy to be back in Canada to experience our first Grand Prix, and there's a lot to talk about. So enough of me talking. Let's get right into the episode. Thanks, everyone. Max Verstappen can just start to relax and to rest a little bit as for the first time he starts a race in Montreal on pole and for the first time he sees the chequered flag and will know what it's like to win the Canadian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen comes home in first place. Carlos Sainz pushed him all the way and takes a fifth second place in his career and it's Lewis Hamilton back on the podium once more for Mercedes in third. What's up, everyone? It is Richie here from the F1 Podcast, Season 2, Episode 12, a week after the Canadian Grand Prix, which some of us had the pleasure of going to. Man, there's a lot to talk about here. But before I talk anymore, let us just introduce our other co-hosts. We have Andrew and Erica. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good, how are you? Excellent. And, guys, our first guest, special guest, the... Tyler Hathrell, a.k.a. Red Bull's number one fan. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to join you guys. Uh, and for those that don't know Tyler, Tyler is a big Red Bull fan. He uh, became in... Actually, why, 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 why am I talking? Tyler, you have any, <laughs> Tyler, why? go right ahead. Tell us about your F1 journey. What brought you to literally the last weekend where I met you? No, I'm kidding, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's even a longer story, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I guess I got into F1 through you, John. So you you kind of gave me the uh, intro into the sport and then obviously got caught up in the Drive to Survive fandom like everybody else seems to over the last few years and just got really into the sport at the end of 2020, I would say. And then my first full season sort of was last year as a Red Bull fan. And that was obviously a crazy wild ride as a, a Max Verstappen fan, especially. So um, yeah, that kind of just cemented my love for the sport. And next thing you know, I'm you know, spending six days in Montreal going to the race and, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it was an amazing time and yeah, I've become a huge, huge diehard F1 fan. So happy to be joining you guys. And we really appreciate you obviously coming on the pod. Uh, so we obviously have lots to talk about. And I think Andrew, you kind of wanted to circulate this since you were the only guy that could be there. <laughs> yeah, so course. but before we start, before you start, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I've also been streaming on Twitch. I was playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles earlier this week. Um, but uh, uh, go ahead, Andrew. You wanted to set this one off. Yeah, unfortunately, I was I was not unable to uh, attend the Canadian Grand Prix, but luckily enough, we had the uh, sponsorship dollars necessary to get uh, Jonathan and uh, Erica out to be our uh, leads in the field, and Tyler was able to join them too. So uh, as this was the first time we had a race in Canada since 2019. And especially like with us being really new to the sport, it was it kind of would be a new journey for everybody. I would say um, being your first time attending, but I just kind of want to go around and see what was like, describe your whole journey. What was unexpected? What did you wish you did more of there um, as a whole? So I'll start with John. So I think one of the big things that I learned is, you know, I went with my dad and I think that was a pretty good Father's Day 
uh, weekend, especially, and someone who's, he's been to a race before in San Marino where he saw Schumacher race. Um, the minute we touched down in Montreal, just the atmosphere around the city, um, mind you, there were checkered flags ev outside every hotel. The city was buzzing. They've not had a race in three years. Heck, even um, I will, I'll do photos throughout the YouTube video of this, but fire trucks had checkered flags on the back of their trucks driving across either St. Laurent or some of the major uh, streets uh, in Montreal. And, you know, I was a little nervous, you know, going to the track the first day on Friday is okay. Like what time do we have to go at? Um, and like, we were nervous of navigating cause I've never navigated the Montreal, uh, uh, Montreal, uh, sorry, subway. Uh, but it was so easy. Just follow all the, all the fans and they took you to, uh, the circuit and everyone was just so friendly, no matter what team they, or what team you supported, whether it was Red Bull Ferrari, McLaren, list goes down, down, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone was just happy that for Formula One was back in Canada. And the stat, I just checked, 338,000 fans attended that weekend. And they had the pit lane or the pit lane walk, I think it was on the Thursday, sold out immediately. Or it was, it was like at, within an hour, they had to cut it off because of how much demand it was. And everybody were in their, the seats were packed for FP1, FP2, FP3, the cert, like nobody missed out. Like it was crazy on just how much people were excited. Um, I do it again in a heartbeat. There's no question, but uh, Erica, what about you? What did you think? My gosh, it was a wild weekend. Like for me, I've flown through the Montreal airport. I mean, over a dozen times now, but I've never actually been in the city before. So like you said, it was kind of wild to actually be there and experience it and uh on the way home on monday we stopped near like uh Dalval, like outside the city because it was just still so hectic downtown and that was people talking about like they've not seen it that busy in so long like everyone thinks that oshiega like the music festivals the montreal blues festival and jazz and stuff are like the big times to go but it's f1 f1 is the biggest weekend that's there and it was insane but in a very fun way I very much like uh, I was killing myself laughing like on Friday for FP1. It's not even the craziest racing you're going to see because the drivers are trying to figure out the track and both Richie, uh, Tyler, well, and Tyler and I were all fortunate enough to be down by the hairpin turn. So we saw some really great stuff happening. Uh, and even during practice, you know, the number of people who were kind of overshooting it into the turn and having to kind of you know, go off the track in order to peel back and, you know, understand the the circuit a little bit better was pretty entertaining. And I'm sitting there, it's not even the race, nothing, all that exciting's happened. It doesn't matter for points. And I'm sitting there like clasping my hands, like, oh my gosh, I'm here. This is so fun. 100%. And uh, like, I loved it. I wish I got a little bit more of a chance to kind of explore everything that was going on. Cause I know F1 really is trying to make these races an experience, right? So there's like a fan zone where you can go and do antenna stuff. They've got Sims. You can sign up for the pit stop challenge. They've got some Sims that are even specifically for women. Cause they're really trying to encourage women and young girls to get into racing, which was cool. Um, so what have, would have been nice to know about that ahead of time. So I could sign up and participate, but or go see Alesso at the end because we had like no idea Alesso was playing, which is like huge DJ to be in Montreal for something like this. That was wild. But that was that was insane. So like we're walking the track at the end of the race and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, it's already happening. Like I thought it would be more time until closing and uh, the DJ is starting to play, but no. But it was, 
it was a blast. Like had such a great time. Like, like Richie said, I would go back in a heartbeat already was looking up to see if there were still tickets for sale for any other races this season, but on the F1 website, if you want to buy like directly from them, it's only paddock club and stuff, which as I'd love to have the budget for that. And I'm sure he could pony up the money. I don't know about you guys, but I don't have 5,000 euros at my disposal to uh, spend on a whim. So uh, it'll, it'll be looking toward next year and the next season, but very much keen to, to be there for another race, see some more exciting overtakes and such, wherever it is that I'm posted up and have a good time in Montreal or elsewhere. What was your experience like, Tyler? Honestly, mine was, you know, along the same lines of the things that you both covered, to be honest. I think the one thing that stood out to me more than anything was just the atmosphere. It was unparalleled, unbelievable. There was so much going on, not only uh, at the track, but just the city in general was a buzz for F1. And it was a lot of very passionate, knowledgeable F1 fans. And just being in that atmosphere and getting to share that, you know, passion with everybody else was really special. And then just kind of the diversity of the fans that you got to interact with there as well. Like we were sitting in, in the Lance Stroll section and the people behind us were from Texas. There were people to uh, my right who had flown in from Europe. Like it, it just shows, you know, how much of a global sport Formula One really is. And that was really cool to see. And then just a sea of different teams that were, you know, being supported throughout the whole weekend it was a lot of red bull a lot of ferrari and that was shown through the the flags that lined basically every grandstand was ferrari flags everywhere um, a lot of mercedes fans of course but then you know sprinkled in the you know papaya hats the mclaren stood out everywhere it felt like a lot of aston martin fans for stroll and, and seb so just seeing just the the variety of fans that turned up to the event it, it made all the difference and then just you know, even as as Richie touched on and in, in um, the top there, the, the the grandstands were full for every session. FP1, FP2, FP3 in the rain. So a pouring down rain practice session and the grandstands were packed, completely packed for a practice session that ultimately didn't matter in the wet. So to see that was, you know, unbelievable. The atmosphere was unparalleled. It was, it was an amazing experience and I can't wait to go back again. hundred percent. I'll be going to another one. Also, I just want to say special shout out to Tyler for stepping up and doing an Instagram video while we were watching, we were stuck <laughs> True. in the rain because there was nothing to do. And with our really uh, $5 umbrellas, uh, really appreciate you stepping up for the Instagram and shout out to all the fans that follow us that weekend. We hit over a hundred. I think it was at least like a hundred percent jump in, in supporters this weekend. So, but uh, so I just need to make note of that. And actually one of the also things I wanted to note is all the old retro. I don't know if you guys saw this, all the old retro shirts that you saw the weekend, whether it was the Renault uh, shirts of Fernando Alonso when he won in, I think it was Oh five Oh six or whether if it was, um, I saw a lot McLaren, of yeah, McLaren. Yeah. McLaren Mercedes gear stuff from when they were still teamed up. The, uh, the pink racing point too always stood out. There's a lot of racing points, surprisingly. So I was lots of racing point. Yeah. I guess it kind of goes into my next question in the sense of like ever since like F1 got bought out or I guess bought out by Liberty Liberty Media, there's been like a big thing about connecting fans to the sport and going to go. That's what you're able to do with DTS. And that's how they've been able to do it with, um, you know, the social media online. I guess a sense over your six days there, how much did you feel you're able to connect with the drivers and with media members and the and people within the overall paddock 
at these types of races because it's quite open. Yeah, John, go ahead. So I'll start here. I want to just give a special shout out to the F1 photographer, uh, Kim Ilman. Ilman, sorry. Uh, he was actually taking photos in our grandstand. And I just kind of turned around. I'm like, wait a minute. I think I know who that is. So uh, shout out to Kim for taking a photo with me uh, afterwards. But, you know, a lot of the drivers were staying at the uh, Ritz-Carlton. So a couple of us tried to uh, wait it outside to see if we can get a photo with them. But uh, a lot of them were pretty fr really friendly for what I, uh, what I was told. Um, despite like some of them had a lot of security, but my friend was able to get pictures with five drivers. Uh, oh I miss Carlos. I, I missed Carlos science by five minutes. I was like running up the street to get to the Ritz and all I hear is screaming and yelling. And I was like, oh, I missed it. But, uh, <laughs> I saw Nicholas Latifi's parents figure out what? who those people were. Yeah. Uh, some car drew up and I noticed the little, they have a tag that allows them. Um, if you ever, if for people that know, I'll post on the, on the YouTube video, as I said, but there's a tag that allows which cars can go into the actual Grand Prix, um, like the actual circuit, uh, to park if they're VIP or whatever. And I kind of, when we saw this car picked up, uh, parked up at the Ritz, I was like, who are these people? Cause I had no idea who they were. Next thing you know, when Kim Ilman posted a video and he's like, oh, that's Nick Nicholas Latifi's parents. I was like, wow. Okay. Put two to do together. So, um, so I think it's fine foods royalty right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was good. Uh, but I did hear some negative, uh, negative stuff. Uh, uh, I think it was on the Sunday or when they were doing the fan, um, uh, fan, um, fan meetup for autographs, only 400 people were given bracelets and people were waiting hours in the rain for, oh, sorry, it was on the Saturday. So hopefully next year, I think there are some lessons learned for this weekend um, that, you know, whether if it's traffic control or more chances to get meet some of the drivers, but also it's, it's a huge demand. So hopefully like it was a great weekend overall, but there's some things that they can fix more water stations, but that's my opinion. So we don't have to dwell in the negativities. Yeah, I struggled with that one with the drivers for a little bit because as much as it's great to have that fan experience and have them involved in, you know, promoting the sport and stuff, at the same time, like, that's not really the bulk of their job, right? And especially when the weather's trash and you know you're going to need a little bit more time to plan ahead of a Q3 and a qualifying set, uh, FQ3, not Q3, and a qualifying session. I mean, you really want to do make, you really do want to make the most of every minute that you have. So it definitely sucks. But at the same time, like, like you said, Richie, I mean, people, a lot of them weren't actually waiting and didn't get to meet the drivers. It was like, you got this wristband and then you got to come back and collect your signed token or whatever it was that you had. And there's their way to make that more accessible for sure. But uh, I think part of it too, I mean, there was one guy who was ahead of me in line when we were coming into the park on Saturday and he talked about how long he waited after FP2 on Friday in order to meet Leclerc because he's a huge Ferrari fan, like raised supporting the team. This was the first Grand Prix he's ever been to, was going to do whatever he could. And he had to wait four hours after FP2 in order to meet Charles after the session because he had to go meet with the stewards, you know, talk about the penalty he was going to take with some of the changes to his engine. And I'm like, that's that's insane and and I mean these are all people who are waiting at the exit it's not like a syndicated event or anything in, of that sort but uh just just kind of wild honestly that that's like you're I mean just... the weather was I mean like the weather was trash at that point it started raining after fp2 when everyone was on their way back to the metro to like go back to their hotels and stuff but like honestly I mean uh it was 
kind of wild like as much as I would have liked to have waited like I think a lot of people would have because for me that's that's a big part of why I was there but the group I was with you know some people wanted to wait others didn't it it's just insane the kind of lineup and like you said 338,000 people like if everyone wanted to go through that like how on earth could you organize it so everyone had the experience they wanted right but so fun and like I don't, I don't even know if I have the words to explain it. Like I'm, I still feel like I'm coming down. It's been like a week since we all left and I'm like, oh my God, I still need time to like get myself in order. So. Yeah. It's kind of a tough spot they're in, right? Cause the way the island is kind of mapped out, obviously they built it for the Olympics when it was there in the seventies. And so it's not really meant to be like a permanent circuit, even though obviously it's there all year round, but when F1's not there, it's a park, right? It's just an open park. They take down the, the grandstands, which are all temporary and, you know, all the fencing and all that kind of stuff. So it is difficult to imagine like what they can do to alleviate some of the congestion. Cause it was pretty um, tough to get around just the track. Like one of the things I wish we could have done a little bit more was actually explore the circuit a little bit more outside of doing the track walk, but trying to get from the Metro it's too jammed. Yeah. To your own yeah. seats to start the race was tough enough as it is right for any session. So, you know, there was no shot. You're going to be able to walk down and go check out, you know, like the Heineken, they had like that uh, terrace where there was like um, drinks and Alesso was playing there and stuff like that. Like even trying to navigate to some of those areas was going to be impossible because there was not a lot of room to move around outside the grandstands right so I wonder what kind of creative solutions they can kind of explore to fix that but like having said that it's a man-made island there's not a lot of space because they're surrounded by water so you can't push out any of the you know patron sort of areas any more than they already are but that was one thing that was a bit of a struggle but I think considering that and considering the fact they hadn't put on the event in three years it was pretty seamless and I think they did a pretty good job especially with the metro considering how busy it was after some of the um some of these the sessions just getting people out um was was pretty solid all things considered but yeah that's going to happen when you have 340,000 people going crazy for f1 who want to see the event so it was it was pretty cool well, it was interesting. Like a couple of my friends went to Austin this past fall. And so, like you said, like, there's only so much you can do when you're on this little man-made Island. Right. And so since Austin, the race is actually like a decent ways away from the city and everything. So they have the space. You could walk around the whole track. You couldn't do that in Montreal because in order to have the access routes and everything, they had to block it off. So you couldn't walk like 360 degrees all the way around. And that's it. It's like you have a trade-off. Like either you're in the middle of the metropolis where it's super easy to get to and everyone can kind of come and go as they please, or you have to do what like Silverstone does and Austin and some of these other circuits where you're way outside. Everyone's got these shuttles, takes forever to get to and from. It's not all that convenient, right? So six and one. The one thing I will say that was super funny was I was all excited on Sunday because I found a uh, Canadian Grand Prix hat finally. But uh, it wasn't until after I paid that I realized it said 2020 on it. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if any of you have paid attention to calendars, but it's 2022. Did so I, I bought, my, I <laughs> bought I keep- myself and my dad a hat. And I was like, um, so I have to buy you something else for Father's Day also because this hat says 2020. And was that $80 hat. or? No, it was like 20 bucks. But I was like, cool, okay. a hat, that's okay, $20. <laughs> that's funny. So that's where I'm at. So if anyone sees me wearing a 2020 Canadian Grand Prix hat, 
uh, just know that uh, one of the skills on my resume is not attention to detail. So, <laughs> but in a way, you may have like one of like the only ones in circulation for a Grand Prix that didn't run quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, you could you you could fool a, a lot of there. people. You could say, I like "Oh, to there tell was myself, I like to tell myself there's a market for it in like 20 years on uh, eBay or something, but we'll see what happens." <laughs> I guess this is like just encompassing this ent- the entire weekend. And a question for my dad today, because um, I told him that the three of you went to the Grand Prix. And he's like, what part of, it's a two-parter. So first part is what part of the overall fan experience at the Canadian GP surprised you the most? And what would you do differently in your overall fan experience if you go to future Canadian Grand Prix? Or let's just say when, because it sounds like the time of your life. But um, we'll start with Erica, what, what would you say is, what part of the overall fan experience surprised you the most? And what would you do differently? as part of your overall fan experience going forward. Wow. Okay. Um, honest. So I, I'm going to be totally candid. I basically sat my ass down in the bleachers and then didn't move for like seven hours. But if I, uh, if I had to pick, I'd say it was the lines. I was really surprised. So like for those who weren't at the race, the Lance Stroll grandstand, you're kind of like near the end of where everything goes. So it's like near the hair point turn just after you can't really go anywhere beyond it. There's not really a lot of other kiosks or anything. So the lines were really long, like be it for bathrooms, for drinks, anything of that sort. So when we first showed up, we were kind of buying beers one at a time, but then we learned that Heineken sells them in a two, four case at a time. And I just would have bought more two, fours in a go, honestly. (laughs) So we weren't constantly getting up and disrupting the sessions. Or like doing the same thing, like buy your merch early on Friday, like go to the tents before everyone else shows up. Cause like come Saturday and Sunday, there's just so many more people there and, you know, sizes start to go things of that sort. It was just kind of wild to wait around and like, shout out to McLaren for predicting the weather because they were the only team that had like toques and vests and rain jackets so on saturday when the weather was absolute trash they were just raking it in because everyone was going to their stand to buy all of this and people who were wearing like otherwise all ferrari gear or red bull or anything else had mclaren hats and stuff on so um it was it was pretty entertaining not gonna lie and i highly recommend you know just kind of planning your day a little bit better so that you get through your lines earlier on before everyone else shows up Tyler, what about yourself? Yeah, I think mine would be similar. I think one thing I would do again is I, I was thinking about this last week because they they sent out on the Monday for those of you who who may not know, but when you buy a ticket pack, you get the first option to buy it for the next year. And so they sent me the renewal email on the Monday, and they gave me, you know, I think it's I think it's a month and a half you get to decide before you have sometime mid July before you have to decide if you want to rebuy for next year's race. Um, so when I got that email, I was reflecting sort of on okay, you know, if I were to go again, where would I want to sit? And I actually think the location that uh, oh, we were all in the Landstroll Grandstand, which as Erica said was was by the the hairpin, is probably where I would want to sit again. The atmosphere was really great. It was also a great location just to be able to see. Um, all of the drivers go by. We had some great overtakes that I'm sure we'll get to when we talk about the race, but, you know, with Charles coming through the field and, and, and George was really aggressive in the hairpin early in the race. So like we saw a lot of action in that, in, in that corner in the hairpin. And so it's, it's probably one of the better places to, to watch the race and, and just the atmosphere in the Lance Stroll grandstand. Uh, it's one of the biggest grandstands on, on, on the circuit. So for me, 
on the positive side, that was one thing that jumped out to me. And, and I would definitely want to do again, if I were to go, I think um, the only negative that I would, I would raise or something I would maybe want to do differently is, is similar to Erica, maybe plan out a little bit more how I want to navigate the food drink situation, because it is a bit of a struggle. You can't just go, you know, between sessions and, and grab a couple drinks and then, you know, pop down mid, you know, FP3 and come back if you if you want to top up. That's just not possible. You're going to miss half the session if you do that, right? So a little bit more planning, I think, in order to um, be able to optimize some of the time at the track and be able to enjoy a couple drinks or food or whatever it may be, um, I think is something that I would want to do a little bit differently if I were to go again next year, which I'm hoping to do, so. So I'll, I'll go next. Um, so a couple of things that I noticed um, is uh, when Tyler and I were out Friday night, we met an individual at a bar and he said that he's gone to a lot of the Grand Prix. And what he said is in 2019, the rules were much more relaxed compared to what they were in 2021. Like apparently you were allowed to bring beer at yeah. the 2019 or 2018 or um, at other Grand Prix. And this is the first year they finally X'd it. Um, but, um, you know, I think bringing a bag, I saw a lot of people bring coolers throughout the weekend and just like pack their cooler with whatever sandwiches, foods or whatever. Um, cause like there was a moment where I kind of actually left FP3 early, or I think it was FP3 early or whatever, just to try to quote unquote, beat the line, but you couldn't. And, um, I, I think, uh, also, uh, I don't think a lot of people anticipated that weather on, on Saturday. Cause I think it was a high of 10 degrees. And, you know, mm -hmm. we might've worn, I might've worn a couple of layers, but not to the level where, um, to the level where uh, you'd be like wearing toques and stuff. And I kind of wish I packed my Ferrari toque, but if you're going to try to, if you're in Montreal and you think, oh no, if it's going to rain like that, make sure you buy all your stuff before coming to the city. Cause I can tell you all the dollar stores, Walmarts or shoppers or whatever, they're pretty much all sold out. So you're going to be pretty much like stuck in a situation where you're dropping like $150 or $200 on one of those F1 jackets at the track if you don't plan yourself. Uh, so you, I would say plan for all season, uh, all weather, because anything can happen. Like it was kind of cool that you're able, we were able to experience a dry, a dry practice, a wet practice, even a wet qualifying. Um, and maybe my bag could have used a couple more sandwiches too. So beer was $9. And you know what I heard? $9? Okay, whatever. I've heard worse prices. But then it was like the 355 milliliter Heineken. Scans. So mad about that. Don't get yeah. me started. It's not and even they, a tall boy. How, how much were the souls? souls? So, yeah. So they did have tall cans of soul, which is a great beer, by the way. And it was only $10. So $1 more than this small can Heineken. But the problem was everyone knew this, of course, and it ran out in the first hour of each day. So we would wow. get there, we would grab a soul or two. And then when we went back to, to get another, they'd be sold out at every single location to the point where they would just tape over where it used to be. So it <laughs> didn't even look like they ever sold it. So yeah, like maybe some more planning and some more options on their side. Like I, I recognize that Heineken sponsors a lot of the Formula One events and they were the title sponsor of this event with AWS. So it makes sense that there's going to be Heineken everywhere, but you know, Heineken owns other, you know, drink brands as well. So they could offer a little bit more options. And I think that would go a long way in solving some of those issues for sure. Also want to add, um, I, one of the rules were about cameras 
And I was ready reading it and I was kind of confused. Do I bring my GoPro? Do I not bring my GoPro? But then next thing you know, you see people with like thousand dollar cameras with like beautiful lenses taking, I'm not trying to call them out, but clearly they were allowed in the stadium with them taking beautiful photos. And I was, I brought my GoPro all weekend and shout out, you should watch the video. It's a great uh, journey uh, on my YouTube page, but yeah, totally. Like I, if you have a nice camera, why not bring it and take those beautiful photos? If you're especially at the hairpin, cause they slow down and then they have to gear up uh, to a DRS zone. I just love it. How like Lance Stroll has a grandstand named after him and he's done like nothing in formula one. Finish him. Dude, Latifi also had a grandstand and he's done like nothing. So <laughs> don't chat shit. He's Mr. Consistent, you know, top 16 again this weekend. You know what? I can't, you're right. I can't say anything. I can't say anything. He um, waved at me. Okay. He waved at me. I'm from Black Burlington. We <laughs> did he actually wave at you, Richie? A lot of the drivers waved at me, but I, I think <laughs> in your general vicinity. I want to I want to thank Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, George Russell, Sir <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I think he took a photo of me, but we don't know. Uh, Ooh, Sir Lewis Hamilton. Oh yes, not just Lewis Hamilton. Nope, Sir, Sir Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton. He deserves that. Um, Honorary member of Brazil. Yeah. Um, also calling out some people that told him that he should retire. So they can all, they all suck. Yeah. Anyways. Suck it. Suck you it. lose. We'll get into that <laughs> later, but, uh, so, uh, Andrew, I think, uh, we should probably get into the race now. I think so. I think that was a great uh, recap. Makes me want to go even more next year now. Do it. Oh Do yeah, it. for sure. Do it. Do it. Also, before we get into it, like Erica, how great the fact that we were so close to each other. So Lydia, that was hilarious. <laughs> Purely by coincidence, for those who don't know, Richie was in section four of the grandstand and I was in section five and we had no idea until we were like in the bleachers <laughs> that we were that close to each other. It was like, oh my God. I, <laughs> I stood up, I stood up and waved right away and I, I saw Erica like, and it was like literally a 30 second, not even a 30 second walk. It was yeah, it was super easy to get to each other like Friday and Saturday. Sunday was a bit of a different beast, but uh, very fun. Also, for those of you that don't know, like if you ever go to a race, I highly recommend the support races. It was hilarious. We showed up at like 10 a.m. on Sunday and they were racing Nissan Sentras and Micras. Like these are cars that I'm driving past daily on the highway and in downtown Toronto. Micras are these like tiny little compact cars and these guys are absolutely yeeting them around the track. It was so funny um like super intense makes me want to buy one just so that i could potentially race one at a later date in the future so you know live live your dreams folks buy that centra and uh enter it in a race highly recommend hey guys it's reach here just taking a quick break from the podcast to just say thank you to all the fans that we met in montreal we really appreciate the support and this has been our best week in terms of viewership and followers on all of our platforms. So we just want to say big thank you to everybody, whether if it was meeting at the track, on the way to the track, outside the Ritz-Carlton Ritz or at any bar in Montreal. Uh, myself, Erica, Andrew, and our special guest this week, Tyler, really appreciate it. So please hit that subscribe button. We do notice that most of our support comes from people that are not subscribed. So hit that subscribe button so you can be kept up to date to everything that we are doing. So anyways, now we're going to focus now on the actual race. So hope you enjoyed the first part of this week's episode. Now we're going to get into the next part. So without further ado, talk soon. Bye.
I would do say though, I think the person who had the probably the best weekend overall was uh, Tyler, knowing that his boy pulled off his uh, first GP, his KGP win. You know, first bagged his first pole there and his first W. So, congrats to Max on that. It was a really interesting weekend in terms of the race, especially with the Sunday, the Saturday qualifying all in the wet. Um, and you know, Haas pulling off a of fifth and sixth with Mick and Magnuson just to have them kind of completely choke it in the uh race was really unfortunate to see for Haas fans. But, um, I don't know, like, I guess being there, it must have been, it must have been a really interesting case to see what the driving was like compared Saturday to Sunday, um, especially with those wet conditions on Saturday during qualifying. I guess I'll, I'll first, I'll jump in. I think the most, most surprise for me was the Austin Martins because they had a pretty good FP1, FP2, and FP3 reasonable kind of uh, numbers. And then all of a sudden qualifying, they just like, people were shocked in our section. They're like, they went 17th and 18th. They're like, wait, what? Um, and, and then the all fastest times in FP3 in the wet. And then all of a sudden they changed their pressures for the Q1 and then they just can't get out of it. I'm like, why are you broke? Why are you fixing something that's not broken? And then all of a sudden, Fernando Alonso climbs up to uh, P2. And it's just like, where did you come from? But that LP has been showing some promise all season that I think, like, especially with the rain is the ultimate, like, neutral, like, it neutralizes everybody's. It's based on how well you can handle the conditions, no matter what car you have. And Alonso with the experience is really showing that he can just get that car up into a position um, in the wet where he can score points and it was really unfortunate to see him on Sunday I think he suffered from a lot of clipping in his in his engine so he couldn't really recover his uh, ERS to help with regards to def- defending and that's why he got dropped all the way down to P7 at the end of the day I mean it was super surprising like that Alpine the straight line speed of it was something I wasn't really expecting like as much as we've had DRS zones that go along long straights and stuff to see that, you know, the Mercedes and the Ferrari and some of the other cars like couldn't catch it on that street when it was just kind of barreling down was shocking to me, like in a very entertaining way, because it's so fun to see another player that we're not used to seeing at the front of the grid, you know, kind of hold off our main contenders like that. But um, I mean, and like Richie said, I mean, it was so surprising, surprising to see how some people did in practice and qualifying versus the race. Um, I mean, I don't know if part of it with qualifying was the fact that, you know, at that point it had kind of started raining and we're getting a bit of a dry line here. So, you know, we do know that Aston Martin isn't really as speedy and as pacey when it comes to those, those dry lines versus the wets, but even still, you know, you kind of expect people to be able to make the most of the situation and, uh, they weren't really able to pull that out in qualifying, whereas some of the other teams were. So it was incredibly entertaining and I think a lot of people will agree that that top like that lineup of the 20 in quality was not what we were expecting but super fun to see yeah and it's really too bad because I I really 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 wanted to see Fernando and Max battle on the front row and it, it sounds like that through no fault of his own like Fernando just wasn't given that opportunity and I think in the wet when I think of you know some of the greatest drivers and and Andrew you mentioned it, it it's the ultimate you know leveling of the playing field right and I, I think of max obviously is a huge history of being one of the greatest drivers in the wet like going back to his days in toro rosso and obviously brazil 2016 is like one of his most famous races when he had that amazing drive in the wet to, to p3 that was outstanding 
and you know Lewis and and Fernando are right up there as well and and we saw that talent you know live on the track and in the wet quality so that was really cool to see but just getting back to that 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 point on the Alpines is I'm really really excited to see what happens with them going forward apparently they have a huge upgrade package coming this weekend at Silverstone and I'm getting a, I'm getting a little bit of drinking the Kool-Aid here on the Alpine. I think they have a shot to challenge the Mercs at uh, at Silverstone this weekend. So I'm going to be really excited to see if they can. You know, I, th- I think it's been very clear over the last few weeks, especially in in Baku and in Canada, that they pushed themselves to the front of that midfield. And I think there's no question that you know they're the team to beat in the midfield. But can they get into that top three and sort of challenge the Mercs? Um, you know, and start to compete for some more podiums. I, I think that's in the realm of possibility, um, which is really exciting. Like, I think, you know, there's been a lot said already this season about, you know, the championship may not be as exciting if Ferrari isn't able to get back into it and reliability issues and things like that. And, you know, that's a bit of a, a separate story because I, I think that's far from over. But on the midfield battle, I think it, it there's a chance for it to be, you know, extremely exciting and for, Alpine, I think, you know, obviously depends how, how things go here as we lead up to, you know, a couple busy races before the summer break. Um, but I think they have a chance to really do some damage to Merck in, in the constructor's standings. And for a constructor who only has one team on the grid with Renault engines, I think that's extremely impressive because especially when you get to new regulations, not only were there new technical regulations on Aero this year and a whole new you know, car, as everyone knows, but the engine regs changed significantly this year. The fuel is now 10% ethanol. There are huge changes to the engines. And when you only have one team to be able to do some of those tests and look at data, it's a lot harder to develop your engine mid-season. And so I think, you know, the progress we've seen from Alpine over the last couple of weeks has been pretty incredible. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see, you know, how that kind of bears out over the next couple of races, especially if they have some room in, in their budget cap and they're still going to bring some, some major upgrades. I, I think, I think they got a shot to catch Mercedes and I think that's going to be really exciting to watch. And it was really well too, for Alpine going forward um, with having such a strong engine too, because I think that's really a big important thing um, for getting Piastri to be on, you know, for them to go, for him to go to Williams next year, just as part of the deal with having to go to Renault engines from Mercedes for Williams, I think um, it just goes to show that, they have that kind of talking point, that leverage point now that they can use to say, Hey, you got to go use our engines as well. Um, going forward and showing that it does work. But as Tom mentioned, we're going back to Ferrari. I think you got to be, John can verify this for me, but I think from an outsider viewpoint on Ferrari that you have to be optimistic after this weekend, because even though you took like, you are taking big penalties and mention penalties. And I'm talking like really early in the season, like having to go through four engines through like nine races is not good by any stretch of the imagination so of course riley but he's got to work there but when you see like carl's battling out max there for p you know for the race win there at the end which was really frustrating to watch considering he just couldn't get it together for 15 laps to like overtake him but to watch like charles climb through the field on you know from 19th to p5 on a track that yeah you can overtake but it's still very narrow right it's almost kind of like monaco in that sense or they have that it has that feel of monaco where it's very tough to overtake uh, with it being, you know, narrow and a lot of turns um, going forward. I think you have to be really optimistic going into Silverstone where Charles did, you know, lead a bunch of, a lot of the race there last year. 
I just unfortunately got nipped by Hamilton at the end. But uh, what are your thoughts, Johnny, on uh, Ferrari going forward? Oh, the Tifosi was wild this weekend when we saw some incredible racing. Oh, and especially when the safety car came out, I'm like, this is it. You know, he puts on the mediums, he's able to catch him, or maybe does he take the risk with the softs? But man, on the, the Ferrari on the straightaway against the Red Bull, it, it, was, it was, it was, he needed more time to, in order to do that. But it clearly shows that like we're much better on, on, we're much better if we're doing like turns or kind of crossing over than on, on a straightaway on a Red Bull. But it was a good weekend, nonetheless, because, you know, we, we saw what happened in Baku and, um, you know, a lot of the uh, Ferrari engine cars were not doing very well. And, you know, we saw both the Alfa Romeos make the points this weekend for uh, an incredible drive by uh, Guangxi Zhou. Um, but also like Leclerc to go from uh, P19 to P5 and, you know, had to take the engine penalty that, that I also was wondering why he was not going ahead and qualifying three, or I think it was, but made total sense. There's no point of risk it. Um but yeah, there's some optimism. I, I mean, Silverstone is, is, a, is a legendary track. It's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a marathon in particular for, for the Ferrari engine. So I'll be interested to see how, how it goes. But I, I could tell you, every Ferrari fan was just hoping that Carlos Sainz was able to catch Max Verstappen or maybe do that pass. Like this would have been his, if it was any races so far, this was going to be Carlos's chance to maybe get his first win. I think he's slowly getting up there of the most uh, uh, most podiums or something like that without, without a, win. a win. He's yeah. three away from breaking the record. He just passed oh Roman Groschan for fourth all-time most podiums without a win with 11. The record is 14, so he's getting close. That's absurd. And just also want to add that, um, you know, I, I actually – I missed the Leclerc. I, I, was, I was recording throughout the race, but then I got to a point – throughout the race where I was like, you know, I'm going to put my phones down. I'm going to put down the GoPro. I was like, I, I need to focus. And like, Erica, you weren't seeing this, but our friends, shout out to Andrea, Graydon, and Matt, who are with us and my dad, you know, me, uh, me and Tyler were just stressed that last 20 laps after the safety cart, just stressed. Um, but, you know, I, I really hope Carlos can at least get a win this year. I think that will definitely really push his uh, momentum. But like, this was a good, nevertheless, this was a good race for him, but also I need to say, Shout out to Mercedes. Looking nice. Honestly. Looking Ooh. nice. Toto in a regular t-shirt. Looking nice. <laughs> like it was. Oh, sorry, Erica. Go ahead. My no, I was going to say, like, I think Carlos deserves his win at this point. Like, I mean, I know we were all tossing around some jokes and stuff earlier in the season about how he locks up anytime he even sees gravel or anything like that. But that was some nice racing this weekend. Of course, I think like, um, you know, Tyler and Richie will agree. There were some good lunges on his point where he was really trying to push it going into that hairpin there. He wanted to make the most of it. Yeah. He locked up on the brakes and I'm sure that lost him some time or like any advantage that would have helped him move forward for the last few, but the guy wants it. He's going for it. He's hungry. And I want him to get that first place podium so badly this season. And especially at this point, and especially in a situation where Sergio Perez's gearbox goes down, like that is an opportunity where you're only race two, two Ferraris are racing one Red Bull. Like I could easily see Leclerc. Leclerc was starting to catch up uh, on George Russell. And if there was more time in, in, in the race, like there could have been a chance that Leclerc could have even gone even higher where he was. Um, but I that think if also if Ferrari hadn't shunted that one pit that he had and they'd done a better job, he may have been able to make up a little bit more time. But I, I just want to say everybody, I think everybody everyone. Did, ter did terrible on pit. I think it was like, whether if it was 
with all due respect, I think it was like there was a section, there was an area within Montreal where they're doing, everyone was trying to become a pit driver or they're doing the simulator. So you'd hold the gun and then someone hold the tire. I feel like they actually took some fans and then brought them to the track and just said, okay, you guys are doing the pit stop actually this time. Because a lot of the teams, their pit stops did not look good this weekend. Well, one team in particular had a really bad pit stop that kind of cost them some points. And I'm not going (laughs) to name names out here. You know what? It starts with an M and it rhymes with Laren. Finish it. So, you want to talk about this because Danny Rick was actually having a really good weekend until that double stack that went horrifically wrong. I was so hopeful. Like, Danny Rick was doing all right. Lando was looking like he was making some moves, probably going to get into the points. And then they just didn't have tires there. Kind of, kind of hard to make a pit stop when you don't have tires, right? (laughs) And I was just sitting there looking at the board and I was like, why, 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 why is this happening? Why is this the thing that we're doing? Honestly, I don't understand. And at that point, I mean, like they called them both in. It wasn't like a Monaco, like we saw with Ferrari, where it was kind of a mishap and then they were trying to send Schaaf back out again. But like, it was just Lando, like Daniel went and got his tires and took off and it wasn't the best pit stop of all time, but like not something to turn your nose up at. And then Lando pulls up and there's no tires and he's just sitting and sitting and sitting. And I'm sitting there like, someone get some hustle in your bustle. And just move like I don't care if you have to like drop kick them across the garage at that point. Just get them into the hands of these guys and put them on the car so he gets back out. But like they're like I don't understand. I mean, like earlier in the season, I commented on how all of the pit stops seem really slow compared to what we were doing before. We talked about how you know new tire size and the temperature that they have to be out could have played a factor in that. But at this stage of the game, like we're so many races into the season you should have your stuff figured out and you should be able to pull out those two and a half to two second pit stops. No problem. Especially if you're a team like McLaren, that's got a well-performing pit crew in the past and was setting the standard earlier in the season. So um, sad weekend for me, got some compliments on my sweater because people thought it looked fancy, but that's about the the highest point of the weekend as a McLaren fan. I, I just wanna... your, your, oh, mishaps, your mishap in the pit stop allowed Aston Martin to get a point through Stroll today <laughs> the race of pizza shout out shout out to the Lance Stroll, Lance hats. Stroll. the Lance Stroll hats were fire <laughs> I couldn't believe it I was like I was like I'm happy that one connect at least scored points on his home GP uh Latifi unfortunately did not as we all know but Mr. Consistent top 16 as we we're saying earlier on it's all all the way up uh Andrew but uh no it was actually really cool because on Sunday we, um, everybody was wearing these green hats and we were kind of like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, if you send the Lance Stroll section, you were, uh, you were allowed to get this like green, green hat. So it was kind of cool that you got to go scan your ticket and we were nervous. We're like, oh my goodness, are we not going to get it? We're going to, they're like, no, we have enough. Just, you're good. So sorry. But, uh, no, I think it was good. And I, I think Austin Martin really, uh, Austin Martin really needed kind of a little pick me up. Um, obviously it was like, a difficult qualifying for them and you know at least a point to point it's obviously not a lot but hopefully it gives them some momentum to go into uh to silverstone next weekend i'll take it it's just it's really frustrating when you have when you do so well in the fp1 fp2 fp3 kind of side of the weekend and then all of a sudden qualifying comes around 
you get out, you, you don't even make out of Q1, you're just already starting on the back foot. And you're scrout, you're just scrapping for a point at that point. And it's just, it's, it's really frustrating because it's like you see a promising car in free practice yet when it comes to qualifying, just they're just not being consistent there. Um, but I think like the big thing, and Tyler, you can quote me from, you can say if I'm wrong here, but what was the key in the victory this week for Max was his consistency in the chicanes and in the turns. I felt um, Carlos had some troubles being consistent in terms of his exits. Uh, it would really kind of put him far behind, I think, in terms of the DRS training. Like, that's why he wasn't able to catch up. And you can see how clinical Max was in that race win. Because he, he was able yeah. to keep him back about 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 seconds at a time. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And especially this weekend where for the first time all season, the Ferrari actually had a slight top speed advantage in the straights. And we hadn't seen that all year. The Red Bull has been an absolute bullet in the straights and especially with DRS and the fact that Ferrari had a bit of a straight line uh, speed advantage and Max was able to keep him behind even with DRS is, is pretty impressive because in those last 15, 20 laps, he's in a position where he can't afford even one mistake. You, you have to nail every exit. You can't afford to lock up the tires going into the hairpin. You can't afford to overdrive the car or push too hard like we saw with, no, no offense, Ricci, a Charles Leclerc and Imola, where you try to push it just a little bit too hard going through the chicane. Um, but we didn't see any of that from Max this weekend, and it really was a masterclass, especially you know given he, he wasn't able to communicate with the pit wall for the last half of the race. Um, uh, he could hear them, but they weren't able to hear him. So, you know, just just a really mature champion drive from from Max this weekend. It was really cool to see. And um, yeah, too bad for Carlos. I mean, other, other than a couple mistakes here and there, he had one, obviously, that bit big lockup on the, on the last lap at the hairpin. But otherwise, he also drove a, a great race this weekend. It was just, you know, Max, to your point, Andrew was Mr. Consistency, didn't make one mistake all, all season and Red Bull nailed the strategy. So credit to them as well. I think uh, Max, uh, he beat, he was the best in FP1, FP2, FP3, he lost to Alonso, but then, yeah, the race qualifying just absolutely killed it. And yeah, you know, Carlos said that he needed, like, if he got it at least to five hundredths of a second, um, he was potentially able to do it. But yeah, I was not, I was not nervous of that lockup. Like, you know, you, you put it, you try to do whatever you can and the minute I saw the white smoke, and actually one of the cool things uh, is when you see the drivers kind of go to that Lance for the hair, that hairpin, and you can see drivers when they know they're screwing up, you see that white smoke immediately building. And just, uh, we saw a lot of that, especially, and it was actually really cool when you saw the drivers come during the wet, qual uh, wet practice and just seeing all the water fly everywhere. Mind you, they're only doing 240 kilometers. Only. Only. Just, yeah. just 240. <laughs> <laughs> Not 340 or whatever it is, so. It was, um, I thought the, my, the funniest moment of the race for me though, was when Yuki absolutely bended into turn one after getting the tires put on, trying to heat him up. So funny that F1 dropped like a video this past week in terms of was it like top 10 pit stop problems or something like that. that had. So I mean, he literally kickstarted a video for their social page. Oh, no. on that uh, case. Poor Yuki. Poor Yuki. <laughs> Liked by Pierre Gasly. Yeah. <laughs> apparently he was wearing a shirt in uh paris that said like by pierre gasly so he we was. Get, we're gonna have to get a uh, copy of that shirt um legend anything other anything else stand out this weekend i mean well not this weekend but the canadian grand prix i, I just, just have oh, yeah, go oh ahead, sorry right, go ahead no, you, no you go first all right so the one thing that stood out to me like as much as you can see a difference in the cars and you hear a bit of a difference in the cars in a broadcast 
even though, so I was in row O, which is like a decent way up the grandstand, but even still, like, uh, we all know that these cars and these constructors have taken different approaches to the aerodynamics of the new car this year. And like, you know, some people have side pods, their side pods are different sizes, just, you know, everyone's using different engines, things of that sort. The differences between them are so much more apparent in person than they are on a camera when you're seeing them coming around a track. Like that Haas is so wide, even compared to like, <laughs> like I saw it coming around the turn and I was like, like, I always thought the Ferrari was big. And then you see that and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a blue whale. That's just someone's plunked down on the track by comparison. And then that Mercedes with like no side pods to it is the like slimmest, most like benign looking car on the track. Like they were absolute menaces this week, which was fantastic to see. But when you see how everyone else took it, it's just so drastic a comparison. And like, you, you kind of understand the differences and why certain cars are performing a little bit better when you can see it in person in that extent, which you can't see, you know, in like a quick little camera clip or between all the edits that they make on like a sky news stream or something like that. So I thought that was fantastic to see. I think my friends wanted me to shut up and stop talking about it at a certain point because I kept commenting on it. And they were like, Erica, we're just here to have beers and have a good time. And I was like, no, but if you look <laughs> at the Williams and like, um, but just a uh, super fun weekend. I think we were all sitting in like a fantastic spot. If you want to see some cool racing go down, Um, super curious what it was like around like turn three around the Latifi grandstand because, you know, you can kind of see some of the stuff coming off the start. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a great race. I think everyone did their darndest and uh, I'm excited to see what's happening at Silverstone next week. I think big shout out though goes, should go to Alfa Romeo. Uh, for me, they're like one of the best, I think constructors of the week in that sense, in terms of uh, Guan Yu Zhou was, you know, finally given a car with no technical issues and he was able to <laughs> finally overcome the curse. His, uh, I know, right? It's just Q3 for him, which was great to see. And I think it was maybe, I think this was his first race in Canada. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, or one of, you know, one of his first races overall, I would say maybe in all competitions, but um, he was did some awesome overtaking on Sunday during the race to get into the points for sure. And then uh, kudos to Valtteri for forcing Alonso into a penalty um, with his uh, hard racing styles. And that was able to get, I think Alonso finished P9 at the end of the day, which then boosted up Alfa Romeo to two spots as well. So, um, you know, kudos to that overall team. And to me, they're the team of the uh, like the biggest surprise of the year so far, just in, based on how they've been able to grow that car. Yeah, and two new drivers too, right? So to go from, you know, last year where it felt like they were nowhere on every race weekend with Kimi and uh, Giovinazzi, to, to bring in two new drivers, Valtteri obviously being the leader there with all of his experience and to be able to develop the car to, to this point with the new regs and to nail them, relatively speaking, for a midfield team is, is pretty cool to see. I think they're definitely one of the constructors of the season absolutely this far. I think they brought in hungrier drivers this season too, you know, with Kimmy yeah. kind of just going out the door mm -hmm. with his retirement and bringing in like a new, like with bringing in Bottas, who's got a point to prove, right. You, you know, he was the number two for five years in a row. He wants to start being the number one. And, and I, I rate Joe over Giovinazzi any day of the week, in my opinion, I think he's just more technically sound and he's just more hungry in that car. And, um, and he, uh, you know, there's a story this week. I know we're kind of coding short to time, but he almost quit F1. Because he was he was tired of being number two to Lewis, but we can talk about that at the the summer break uh, when we wow. assess everybody's uh, performance.
for the halfway part. So, um, you know, I think it was a great weekend overall. And, you know, I really appreciate it. Uh, Tyler, thank you for getting the tickets. Um, we loved every second of it. I can't believe I, I won't lie. I did get emotional uh, FP1 when you start to see the cars and the music was playing. Like when you actually hear the F1 um, theme song and like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, beats any club drop song or whatever in the club. Like that is oh, yeah. it. So, um, okay. But uh, I, I'm kind of <laughs> getting, getting Texas galore here. Uh <laughs> So anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening uh, to this week's uh, episode and really appreciate all the new fans that we met in Montreal this weekend, whether if you were at the, the track, on the street, or uh, at waiting outside the Ritz-Carlton, uh, hoping to see any of the fans. Um, my name is Richie, uh, Andrew, and uh, Erica, and special shout out to Tyler. Sorry, I'll take it seriously. Ty- to Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the pod this weekend. We'd love to have you again. And um, Andrew, um, please send us off. Tyler, thank you so much for joining this week's podcast. You were an absolute treat as a guest co-host and um, I look forward to doing more than with you in the future. Uh, Tyler, I think we might have your social pages out there just to say, give them a like follow and see what, get, so you can see your experience of F1. I imagine you have pictures and uh, whatnot as well to share with some fans if they're interested. But uh, with regards to the F1 podcast, again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like us on uh, or follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Richie's YouTube page. Don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel and his Twitch. And until next time, we are in Silverstone at the home of British Motor Racing on Canada Day weekend and Independence Day weekend, no less. Should be a doozy. Hopefully, we got another one, another lap one cracker, but make sure it's not max. It's called it's wall. called racing, Toto. It's going to be called racing, <laughs> but hopefully no I, one goes have, into the wall. I don't have a habit of checking my email during races. <laughs>